Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Envío al área, el remate. Ahí está el primer tanto del partido. No lo celebra, por supuesto. Aaron Ramsey, 0 a 1 para el Arsenal. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. James, top of the morning to you. Top of the morning to you. This is quite strange because we have never done an Arscast Extra in the same place, apart from the live ones. Yeah, we've never done it. Well, I mean, it's not just the two of us. I was going to say we've never done it just the two of us. I was just waiting for the not. I was waiting for the big reveal there. I was going to spoiler alert, yeah, giving it away. It. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, not just me and James today. Andrew Allen, hello to you. Hello, it's uh, lovely to be here in sunny Dublin. Sunny Dublin, yeah. Look out that window. It's <laughs> splitting the splitting the rocks. Uh, yeah. Splitting the rocks at the car park that we can see out the window here. <laughs> it's interesting because it, it's not going to make any difference to the people at home, is it? They're just going to still hear us chatting. But for us, this is groundbreaking. It is, and quite weird. Yeah, surreal. Yeah, there's like eye contact. I, I'm not going to look at you for the whole time. I'm just going <laughs> to stare at the wall, if that's all right. That's perfectly all right. It's a good, it's a good wall. It's a good wall. It's a good wall. I'm yeah. impressed by it. A goodly wall. Yeah, a very goodly wall. Unlike the uh, football, which was not that goodly, but we'll get to that mm. anon, I am sure. Um, yeah, now it is weird, because now I feel like I don't have anything to say. <laughs> <laughs> well also we talked you picked me up from the airport and Andrew up from the airport and we talked in the car yeah. so all that precious small talk that would normally make up the five minutes of the podcast that everyone fast forwards through yeah. is gone it is it is and yeah. nothing has happened to us since there's been no incident or accident or anything like that no we successfully bought coffees without any kind of drama yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's been. Were you were you pleasant. in any way nervous um, traveling with with James this morning, given his record? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it hasn't hadn't occurred to me. I've just realised I'm very happy to be on a different flight back, though. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't sitting next to each other. We were in different parts of the plane. He was in it towards the front. I was towards the back. So had it broken up. Right. <laughs> I reckon the front would have landed he'd be fine and I'd be lost somewhere <laughs> over the ice I'd yeah. be caught in a tree somewhere and you'd yeah oh well, okay you didn't even get to sit together no oh, that's a shame I know that's a shame it's fine I got stuff done I had the look of a disdain from a woman who kind of thought she had a spare seat next to her just before takeoff because oh. we were very, very, very relaxed about getting on the plane to the yeah, point we where we basically very nearly missed this just flight. Just nearly didn't get on it because we were just chatting in the uh, in the coffee shop. But that is the worst, though, isn't it? When you're sitting there and you're 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 going, oh please, oh please, mm. oh please, and then. Oh, the- that big yeah. guy is going to sit. That, that big it, guy yeah. is going to sit. Oh no! The dream is of three seats to yourself. You know that yeah. part, you can lie down on that. Yeah. It's essentially a bed. Yeah, mm. I have had that on a long haul flight before. That's it's a great. that. That is a joy. Yeah. I have yeah. to say yeah. that is a joy. You don't tend to get that on the uh, the hour long flight from. <laughs> no, well, the, I mean Dominic. the plane was only about twelve foot long or something. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, one of those little city jets. Yeah, exciting. You feel oh, every bump. Yeah, you sure do. All right, well, look, you're here, and we've got to talk about what happened at the weekend and talk about Arsenal versus Manchester United. Um, I guess the place to start is the team, the team selection. And as kickoff approached, we discovered that, hang on a minute, Alexander Lacazette, he's starting. What's going on here? Arsene Wenger had ruled him out after the uh, the Huddersfield game, yeah. 5-0. Were, were you surprised, James? I was really surprised. I mean, there was a little bit of me thinking maybe there's some mischief going on. There'd been a bit of chat about it online. And I think because Meza Ozil was effectively ruled out of the Huddersfield game mm. and then started people wondering is it possible that the same thing is going on with Lacazette but yeah it was a, it was a huge surprise and I think the story broke from France he was seen arriving from the, with the team even then it was like well maybe he's just travelling with a squad that doesn't necessarily mean anything Yeah, but it generated a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement because he's been a big part of what the team has been doing right in recent weeks I don't know what do you think do you think it was like uh, a clever ploy or do you think he I got the feeling I think you know because there wasn't the usual Friday press conference I think if there'd been a press conference on a Friday and Wenger had been asked about it yeah, he probably true. would have brought up that Lacazette was fit right. um, but because the quotes all came from the press conference that was done after the Huddersfield game yeah. and he did go off at half time and I saw him sort of like holding his groin mm. and check came over and it looked like them but then I thought to not then include him in the training pictures yeah. on the website that did feel like Sub there was a bit of mind yeah. games going on there yeah. and there was you know there was something there but I, I don't know how much you read into it I wonder is there that coordination like yeah. does Arsene Wenger call Stuart McFarlane over and say <laughs> Stuart look whatever pictures you put up today don't don't include Lacazette because I'm pulling a fast one here when it comes to team selection. Maybe. I mean, Stuart's an Arsenal man. Maybe he was just, you know, playing it smart. I mean, the programme notes, obviously, were kind of derived from the, the comments uh, after the Huddersfield game. But the programme notes said Lacazette's out. Arsene Wenger's address was saying, you know, he's yeah. not going to be available. So, yeah, it, it was it was a surprise. But I'd like to think that it was, uh, you know, he was sort of playing Mourinho at his own game a little bit but maybe it was just a surprise in terms of the results of the scan and stuff. yeah mm. maybe so maybe so so look uh, that's, a, that's a positive way to start the day uh, you know you've got your best team essentially out there you've got your front three that's got so much potential into it and you could feel I mean you guys were there mm. uh, even from just watching it on TV you could feel like everyone was up for this game inside the ground and then within four minutes were a goal down. Um, it, it, in some ways, reminiscent of that game against Manchester United in the uh, the Champions League. Was it a semi-final or a quarter-final? Yeah, semi-final. semi-final. Kieran Gibbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was nine minutes. This was four minutes. And uh, it, it wasn't great uh, play from Lauren Koscielny. It wasn't great defending. Um, when they got the ball, I think Kolasinac... Uh, switched off a bit and then when when Pogba got the ball on the edge of the Arsenal area it was like schoolboys everybody ran to the ball and left Valencia on his own yeah and and also when that Koscielny plays that pass across I mean that's sort of you know and you see players do it but it's sort of rule one isn't it don't play it across your own goal in that way but Kolasinac he steps up and kind of tries to intercept it when I think he would have been better advised to say I'm not going to get to that ball I'm going to trap my man because he commits and then he's out the game yeah um, and that, that was a, a bad mistake from him and then everyone just got attracted particularly Montreal to uh, who was it who had the ball was it Pogba Pogba. Yeah. Pogba and then was it Martial did the oh no that was the second that one that was the, the second yeah, yeah, yeah. one yeah, yeah yeah but I can see why you conflate yeah. them because defensive errors all over the place in both But uh, and then Valencia I mean I saw a bit of criticism for 
Petr Cech about the ball kind of going under him but I think from that range that angle I mean the thing was on Wednesday when exactly the same situation panned out mm. he made a fantastic save which then sprung a break he didn't have a player he in front of him though so I think that's the thing it just yeah. went through yeah. Monreal's legs and yeah. perhaps unsighted him I mean I don't think you can really apportion any blame no. to the goalkeeper for that one no I think it's just retrospectively watching the highlights and seeing what happened at the other end eventually mm. with De Gea saying yeah. everything that you kind of looked at Czech and gone mm, could yeah. he maybe yeah. I mean, harsh I mean it was very close to him. Yeah, I, I, I don't think. I think in the, in the litany of mistakes that, that cost us that goal, I think uh, Petr Cech is pretty much down the bottom of the list, really. Yeah. Um, so, look, it's not ideal conceding an early goal like that, but, you know, just calm yourself. There's a long way to go at that point. There is, in fairness. You know, there's a good there's a good 86 minutes plus injury time to go. You don't need to panic. You don't need to do anything stupid. So... We did something really stupid. Um, <laughs> uh, Mustafi, who has been absolutely outstanding in the last two games, mm. uh, particularly against Tottenham, he was he was really really good. Uh, made an an absolute howler, Andrew. Awful. I mean, I I've always had my reservations about him as a player. I don't want this to sound like I'm sort of flip-flopping on the guy I mean this was a mistake which is kind of unusual for him in that it wasn't so much a rash decision mm. off the ball where yeah. he goes sliding in it was more the bit of his game where he's not too bad he's yeah. quite confident on the ball carrying it out making the passes forward and I kind of like him for doing that because I think he's a bit more proactive about it but I don't I don't know whether he was injured before he re- received the ball I heard someone suggest that, that might be the case I, I didn't um, notice that myself in the I didn't ground. notice it but he definitely had a moment where he was like I don't know what to do here and I don't know which pass to make. Yeah. And that was just deadly in that in that particular moment. It was awful. It was like the worst kind of mistake you could make when you're that player in that position. Yeah. It's a really odd one because Shaka gives him the ball and he's kind of got it. He takes it out onto his left foot. He's got Monreal to his left. Uh, admittedly not in a great position. He could maybe come a bit nearer to give him an option. But he just he dallies for so long. And, and, and it gets to a point where... He'd be better off just kicking it out of play than taking the risk that he takes. Yeah. All I can think is, did, did the nature of the injury he had at that point prevent him doing that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he could have played it back to check, couldn't he? He could have. Anything. He yeah. could have. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was just a real, I guess, a brain fart, wasn't it, in terms of his uh, decision making there? Then he went off. Um, and Arsene Wenger's comments after the game were really quite curious you know mm, yeah. uh, whenever a player goes off injured he's got something to say about what it is you know what's the problem Arsene, oh, it's a calf it's a hamstring it's a knee it's groin whatever and he said I don't know what's wrong with him at all um, yeah. which of course will lead to some speculation that Mustafi uh, just decided he didn't fancy it after mm. making a mistake that big uh, you know I can see why people might think that, but from what we've seen of him, I don't really know that that tallies with his character in terms of the kind of guy he appears to be and the way that he wants to be perceived as as a leader. Arsene Wenger talked about his leadership qualities, whether you agree with that or not. You know, it, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing. And I think it's... Uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? If you accuse a professional footballer of basically bottling it and going off, it's a real stain. So I think you've got to be very careful about how you approach this one. Yeah, I mean, but the fact that Wenger said exactly that, he didn't even make something up. He could easily have said, oh, it could be a groin, it could be a hamstring, we don't yeah. know anything. Yeah. It's a really unusual mm. Wenger thing to say. Maybe he was just really still just 
really frustrated the game, and yeah. angry by the I, I game. I think he was pretty pissed off. Was the impression I got? I yeah. felt like he was pretty incensed by those early mistakes. Yeah, and I think I think that kind of irrespective of Mustafi's injury. His attitude was one of like I, I got the impression that he was like I don't want to talk about Mustafi. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He was still annoyed yeah. about that concession of that goal, mm-hmm. um, and maybe he hadn't had the conversation. Maybe he'd been like, I just want to focus on trying to get us back into the game. I I, I, find, I mean, as I say, a couple of people have tweeted me saying, oh, they saw Mustafi struggling a little bit mm. prior to that goal. I mean, I suppose the question has to be asked: if that's the case. Should we not have worked quicker to to get him off? You know, but Mertesacker was out warming up, I think, and then when the second goal went in, oh, was he? Was Mertesacker? I think he did jog up. Yeah, yeah, he had been out early doors with. uh, Yeah, but they do send a play. Like I think, but normally it's it's now got people going out. But isn't it normally after about fifteen, fifteen minutes? Yeah, Yeah. maybe twenty minutes. Um, I might be, I might have been wrong about that, but I seem to remember him being out there. I I think in in those circumstances, you kind of have to give the player the benefit of the doubt. You know mm. that there is an injury that he hasn't just decided. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ditch on my team here. I think. well, I mean, we'll find out soon enough, right? Yeah. I mean, the games come thick and fast, and if he's ruled out, then yeah. Well, I saw a bit of criticism of Granite Shaka's pass to Mustafi in terms of putting him under pressure. I, 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 don't, I don't see anything in that. No, I don't think so either. It's a pass back to a centre half who had options. You know, it wasn't the most. Uh, he didn't have maybe uh, many positive options, but he could easily have gone back to his keeper easily. I guess only if if the players knew Mustafi was carrying an injury I guess it would be ill-advised in that circumstance yeah but, but, but that's a pass they make a hundred times a game right yeah, yeah. with Xhaka and whoever is the centre yeah, of the of course well, you know I think there's criticism to be levelled at Granite Xhaka uh, for, for what happened later in the game but mm. certainly I don't think that was anything egregious passing the ball back to your centre half he should be more than capable of dealing with that mm. so w- w- go on well I was going to say I mean injury or not do you think that Wenger might have changed the formation immediately anyway no you think he would have stuck with three I think he would have I think he would have stayed Mm. without the injury I think he would have stayed with the back three so I thought it was really interesting that when we did have the injury he immediately went to a back four I mean we've seen it happen before haven't we where he's changed the formation uh, during a game usually in the last sort of half hour or so Mm. normally when we're looking for a goal but after 11 minutes I know it was forced somewhat by the injury but I thought it was very interesting and I thought the way we played with a back four was really very interesting as well because people talk about how the game how it suited Mourinho and a Mourinho team to sit and and drop deep and defend against Arsenal they didn't defend very well they weren't particularly (laughs) impressive from a defensive point of view when you look at the uh, the the number of the sheer number of chances that Arsenal created and I do wonder if there's a little bit of evidence there that three in midfield is probably a way for us to uh, to offset some of our, our weaknesses in that department yeah I mean at 2-0 down I guess he felt he had to chase the game get an extra attacking player on in Iwobi but you know we did exert a huge amount of pressure like that I mean you know the the XG tells you that you know mm. we, we could have scored plenty of goals I'll be interested to see going forward what happens because now he's got a choice let's assume Mustafi is out is he going to bring Mertzaka back into the fold? Yeah. When he's shown a reticence to use Mertzaka, I think, at the best of times this season. So uh, he, his alternative is to go to that back four. And Well, no, I mean, he's got Holding and chamber, Chambers as well. He's got Holding and Chambers, you know. but I, I don't know. I think the back four is a really interesting option, particularly in, in home games where we do have the majority of possession. You know, would that be better used in central midfield than with that third centre-half? Yeah. I mean, do you, Andrew, do you think it's a... Uh, 
it's not really something you can switch between, is it? You know, to play three at the back one week and four, you know back four the next no, week. No, and I think you kind of saw in the immediate aftermath as he switched from the three to the four that Kalasinac's positioning was a bit off actually because mm. he sort of continued to hold the position of mm. a wing back and he needed to tuck further in. Yeah, and he also on one occasion didn't track back quite as quickly as he probably should have done. I mean, I think we can definitely work it. I thought what was really interesting is that in throwing Iwobi on, Iwobi was great. Like, he really functioned well in tight mm. spaces and, like, when he's on it, his ability to carry the ball is really precious for us. Um, so I thought he did really well. I think, like, the thing with Iwobi is he's a really good ball carrier, like you say. Like, he's got great technique, he's got good power. It's just that sort of... Uh, it's that killer touch, isn't it? It's that final pass that I feel that he doesn't... He, he's not making often enough. But in terms of, like, continuity, he does add a lot to the attacking. Part. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, you think about the, the the game against Chelsea last season, the 3-0. Yeah. Um, I know you saw about half of it, James. Um, <laughs> but, you, you know, that day, he really helped link everything up in that, in that final third. And maybe it was Aaron Ramsey who was doing some of that um, in this particular game but yeah I mean I think Iwobi in there just gives us a little bit of an extra dimension and particularly when you look at how well we attacked it's hard not to to say that his introduction had a, a big impact it did I mean that we went in 2-0 down at half time I couldn't believe it nobody in the ground could believe it you know the- well, let me ask you um, just before half time there was an incident where Lacazette well I mean he was uh hauled back uh, by Rojo I think it was he's right. sort of put an arm across the throat um, I mean it, with the benefit of those replays it definitely looks like a penalty but I can kind of understand why the referee wouldn't give that in in real time because it just looked like it, the defender protecting his space yeah and, and Lacazette's arm was almost across him it, 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 as it transpired he wasn't actually holding the player's shirt but from the referee's angle it, yeah. it could have looked like six or one half a dozen the other I think yeah I mean it wasn't one of the incidents at half time that people around me were talking about it yeah. wasn't something that kind of was obvious and everybody was screaming blue murder for it. It, it it felt to me like you know it's just one of those coming together and Lacazette I think he's still coming to terms mm. with the Premier League in the first couple of weeks he was certainly whenever there was a, a muscle in the arm or something he'd go down although he's so much stronger now mm. but um, yeah no that wasn't what was you know getting everybody hot under the collar at half time it was just the fact that we just couldn't get the ball in the back of it yeah. yeah I mean there was that one was it I mean Lacazette the interesting thing about his power like I thought in the first 15 minutes of the game there were a couple of occasions where Smalling, who is a big guy, I mean, like the height difference between them was quite amazing to see at times, sort of monstered him a little bit. But over the course of the first half, Lacazette, you kind of saw him making that adaptation mm. and that adjustment. Mm. I thought he was really excellent on the day, actually, one of the really big positives. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think he was probably our best player on the day. And I think, uh, you know, I thought Mesut Ozil was great. I thought Aaron Ramsey was great. Um, I mean, on that, uh, we have an assist from Aaron Ramsey mm. to Lacazette. Any questions in your mind as to whether or not he meant that? Um, well, I know for a fact that the stadium didn't think it was a goal immediately because there was a definite kind of like split oh, it's, second. It's offside, where, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that offside? Because it just you got two players standing right in front of the goalkeeper, yeah. and I didn't actually celebrate because I was kind of like, 
oh, and then that moment's gone. And then you think, now I can't go mental because I'll look weird. So <laughs> everybody around was kind of like, oh, this is brilliant right now. Let's go and get the next one. Oh, I mean, it was a it was a nice touch by Ramsey, though. It was mm. quite nice awareness. Yeah, I think he absolutely meant I mean, it. Yeah. When the ball comes over the top, and it's I think it's Alexis who plays yeah. the, the yeah, pass, yeah. and it's that pass you've seen so many times from the left-hand corner of the box, that little clip pass, and Ramsey makes that run. But, but as he does, there's an awareness of where Lacazette is. And actually, the body positioning, I think, tells you that he means it. Whether he, whether he thought he was offside, because it's quite an audacious thing to do. Like, and he thought, well, I'm just going to try this now. I don't yeah. know. But I, I thought it was great from Ramsey. And also, Lacazette, in that position, just so calm. You know, and and yep. he's actually quite close to De Gea. So De Gea's making himself big at that point. But he, he finds the corner as, yeah. as you would expect. Yeah, I mean, it was a great way to start the half. It was just Perfect. exactly what we needed. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was a moment of danger. United didn't have too much uh, of a threat when they came forward, but I think there was uh, there was a chance, wasn't there? They hit the post where the ball kind of yeah. bounced. It was actually mm. a fantastic save by Czech. Yeah. I mean, you didn't necessarily grasp that at the time, but when you look at the replay and the, the hand he got to it, and then there was that sort of, yeah, is it going to bounce in? Yeah, Bellerin was sort of running back to his own goal and I like was scared to touch Bell- it. Yeah, and Bellerin yeah. didn't, did he? And then it no. was Monreal came across and I'm not exactly sure which yeah, the ball yeah, was. Uh, yeah, someone whacked a shot into yeah. into the back of Monreal, so But that was the kind of that's the kind of scenario you expect when Arsenal go into we're losing mode. We of need course. to bomb forward, you know, yeah. conceding chance on the break. So I mean the game, if that had gone in at that time, yeah. would have been far less, I think, exciting because I think we would have been very nervous for the rest of the game at 3-1 down yeah. early on. So then uh, De Gea really stepped up. I think, mm. you know, between our goal and the third United goal, we had seven shots or seven attempts on goal. Mm-hmm. And the the save from Lacazette... Uh, where he, he just got down really low and it was such a strong hand. I think that's an amazing piece of goalkeeping. Um, it, it is. I mean, it, obviously, it's followed up by the way he gets to his feet. It makes the second save with his legs. Have you anybody any issues with Alexis in that position? Could he have done more? I don't know. I mean, do you remember a few years ago when we lost to AC Milan, that mm. second leg, and Van Persie had a similar thing where he was chasing up and he tried to dink it and yeah. the guy just caught the ball, right? And yeah. The only way that that looks good is if it goes in the back of the net. You don't yeah. really care how it goes in. I mean, I, he tries to take it early. I, I I didn't really have an issue with. It. Did you think he could have done better? Or? No, maybe with hindsight, maybe when you see a replay and yeah. you you already know what De Gea is going to do. But it was a, an amazing piece of goalkeeping mm. to make that kind of a double save. I, I think it w- would be a little bit harsh to put put blame on the attackers. Yeah, uh, there's been a lot of talk about like the qu- the quantity of Dare's saves, but like th- that that moment in particular was absolutely top quality, wasn't it? I mean, that was our stand. Yeah, I mean, I think quite a lot of the saves were fairly routine. Yeah. Um, I think there was one from Bellerin, which was a good yeah. save, one from one from Alexis uh, yeah. that he pushed away. But again, they're fairly routine saves you would expect your goalkeeper. Mm. It was, like you say, it was the volume of saves, the sheer number of chances that we had mm that we couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. I mean, it's uh, to to have that many attempts on goal against a team perhaps in the bottom three, you go, okay, that's 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 normal. We've seen Arsenal do that before. To have that many attempts in a game against Manchester United, I don't think I've ever seen that. Absolutely, I've heard of. I mean, the fact that De Gea broke the, or yeah, I think he did break the Premier League record mm. for saves in a game. In a play in an Arsenal Manchester United, United game, yeah, it's, that's unbelievable. I mean, we've seen so many times goalkeepers come to the Emirates Stadium and look like mm. the best goalkeeper in the world. 
I think unfortunately we were probably up against the best goalkeeper in the world at the weekend Yeah. Um, but as you say a lot of those saves you would expect him to make but there were just one or two that really were like wow it's funny we were talking about Czech earlier you know you wouldn't expect him to make that save and I guess the thing about De Gea is he, he he does make saves that you don't anticipate. Mm. So then we conceded. <laughs> Just yeah. as it looked like we were, you know, you're hammering, you're hammering, you're, you're putting them under so much pressure. We conceded a third goal, another break. Lauren Koscielny looked like a man of 32 years of age with an, with an Achilles problem that's played three games in six days. Mm. That's what that looked like to me. Yeah, I mean, he, he looked weirdly nervous around Pogba, actually. I mean, he'd done the hard work. He'd got the right side of him and then somehow mm. got rolled still. I mean, what Xhaka was doing in the middle, just sort of standing there. He did the hard part. He He'd gone all the, the way run, back yeah. and then just left Lingard on his own at the back post. Mm. And, you know, coming off the back of the, the Watford goal in the last minute where Xhaka was again sort of seen standing around. Well, that was, just, I think that was worse. That the Watford was goal was worse yeah. because at least this time he had made the he'd made the run back into the right area. All he had to do was just be aware of where Lingard was and he just switched off. He's, he's frequently accused of sort of lacking the legs, but he had the legs then. He got back into the box. It was the, yeah. it was the head. I, yeah. I, I mean, I had a sort of cruel thought about Granit Xhaka at the weekend, which is that, you know, he's a kind of holding midfield player who sees himself as more as a playmaker. He's good at a lofted pass, but he hasn't really got any pace or defensive awareness. Is Granite Shaka the £35 million Alex Song? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, that's, that's quite harsh, but there are parallels. I can, yeah, I can, I can sort of see how... Xhaka would work in a in a midfield three. I don't think Xhaka yeah. works in a midfield two at all. As good as Aaron Ramsey has been, and and I think uh, you know he deserves huge credit for the last couple of weeks and the way that he's played. It just seems more and more obvious that Xhaka struggles without somebody because we know Ramsey gets forward. Mm. If Xhaka had somebody more uh, closer to him, I, yeah, I always think back to that summer where we bought Xhaka, and there was this kind of perception of. Well, we went for Shaka, and that's why we didn't go for Kante. Mm. But whenever I look at it, I think Kante is exactly what Shaka needs. Yeah, that kind of a player. Yeah. yeah. I mean, on the song thing, the one thing Song actually wasn't too bad at was his upper body strength and his ability to muscle players off the ball without going to ground. He was actually not true, bad at that. True. What drives me mad, and it drives everybody mad with Shaka, is that you you can see the foul coming two, three seconds <laughs> yeah. before it happens, right? There was you, a great one in this game, wasn't there? On the right touch. Yeah, right? yeah, he just slid and I don't know who it well, was, maybe Rocco or something. He got the ball. It was a good tackle, yeah, he did get the ball, you know. But, um, it, you know, sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he does. It feels like a bit of a lottery. And yeah. His tackling's a bit Scalzian, isn't it? Yeah. Scalzian. You know? <laughs> but there's also, there's no, there's no real, like, you can win a tackle like that, but you don't necessarily have any idea where the ball's going to go. And so you could even make a good tackle and still be left on the floor and the ball could break to another player and you're still out of it. Mm. And, you know, it's it's something he's, he's not going to learn at this point, I don't there, think. There's, there's a thing that happens. When Arsenal sign a player, we all kind of make an interpretation of that player, sort of based on what we hope and expect they're going to be. And when I think about Shaka, there was so much talk about his disciplinary record and his sort of willingness to make a tackle that I think we all were a little bit guilty of kind of envisaging him as this kind of destroyer and he's, it transpires he's not that at all no. really and it, by his own admission he's, he's views himself as a false number 10 you know he's much more of a playmaker but I think he is a good player I just feel like he's not necessarily the player 
that we need if we're going to continue with that system. No, I mean, again, you know, it's not to excuse him, but maybe you do need a player with a bit more defensive awareness that he's the guy who's tracking the run of Lingard, yeah. who's not going to switch off. You know, And that's not to you know excuse Jack or, or to give him a pass on that. He should have done better. But uh, yeah, look, it's becoming increasingly an issue, I think, that we, we've got to try and solve. Yeah, I mean, I, just to clarify, though, he actually had a pretty good game. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he, yeah. He, he really actually connected the midfield nicely throughout. I and, agree. Um, it would be churlish for me to sort of you know I mean he passed it at 93% he had a lot of touches yeah. with the ball he kept things moving you know and he is capable of playing uh, you know good passes into the final third and in the final third as well it's just that if you ask him to be the, the most deep lying midfield player his limitations will become exposed and uh, you know that that was the case as for Koscielny I really think that midweek game against Huddersfield Arsene has got to have some regrets about that I yeah. think it just felt unnecessary he, he's got this Achilles problem and you know I saw Tayo actually tweeted a thing saying that when Pogba went past him it reminded him of Henri against Desailly you know there was just that yeah. difference in physical power and I well look I hope it's the three games in a week thing and I hope it's not a sign of something something bigger I hope so too I think I think that that's got to be an issue it's got to be you know he's he requires daily treatment on that and uh, you know that doesn't mean to say that he shouldn't pass the ball carelessly across the pitch I don't think that's yeah. got to do with an Achilles problem but I think you know when you are a player whose uh, defensive strengths are your 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 pace your aggressiveness your strength because he is stronger than than uh, than people like to give him credit for you know I remember seeing an interview with Lukaku and he was asked you know who's the the defender you hate playing against he said Koscielny he's all elbows and fucking is annoying but you know I think we saw there that, that he is a man who is at a point in his career where he needs to be a bit more carefully managed yeah and you see, you see it with centre-backs as they get older the way a ball passes them and they're suddenly running back towards their own goal mm. that's when you can see the difference between because anybody can stand there if they play is all in front of them and marshal a defence and win headers and mm. stuff like that but the moment the ball gets whipped around the, mm. the channel and you're chasing after someone that's when you start to show your age it's mm. a very physical Man U attack as well yeah. isn't it you've yeah. got Lukaku Martial even Lingard you know yeah. uh, Pogba as well breaking through I think hindsight again mm. but Koscielny really could have done with that rest yeah I think so I think so so look uh, that was the 63rd minute I think when they scored their third we still had half an hour but it's always going to be an uphill battle we brought on Welbeck we brought on Giroud a Giroud. lot of attackers on the pitch that yeah, a lot of attackers maybe too many attackers I don't mm. know I don't know but uh, you know the, the red card for, for Pogba 100% red card for me yeah yeah yeah, I don't know how anybody, I mean, I, anyone in their right mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of people in their wrong mind. One in particular. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, there's no, there can be no debate. It was one of those when I saw it in real time uh, from my from my seat. It wasn't quite as clear cut. Actually, yeah. I j just couldn't tell straight away. But when you see the replay, the way his foot comes down. It's, regardless of what you think about the intent, the the it's incredibly dangerous. Yeah, so it's got it could have could have really injured him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm look. The replay makes Bellerin's positioning look a bit odd. I'll give him that, but yeah. it does. It says nothing about the fact that Pogba's studs are right in the back of his knee. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure what he would have been trying to get at there. Like the ball was not there. It was no. a terrible challenge. It was terrible bad. Challenge. It was bad. Um, but again, we we couldn't really take advantage. Uh, I'm sure De Gea made some saves in the final 20 minutes but it, we weren't helped by the referee maybe could have had a well, couple of penalties I well think. I don't know about the 
uh, the, certainly the Welbeck one was was a penalty, yeah. and that was on about eighty five minutes, wasn't it? Right. So, you know, you think if we get a penalty there, put that away, you know, uh, and manage to sneak a goal between um, then and the end of the game, that three three feels like a fucking amazing win, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, Welbeck's role in that should he have stayed down should he have gone sprawling should he have like gone down with his arms in the air I mean we don't want a player to dive but when you've been kicked and when your foot is taken out from underneath you like I kind of get why he wanted to get back up because just get get, but that was a penalty that was a bad decision he really was able to get up quite quickly and I think he still sensed there was a chance because as he gets back on the ball he's kind of still in a good position but I mean like there's just no doubt that that was a penalty it's such a frustrating thing because you feel like if it had been at a tighter moment in the match or there'd been more from the crowd even at that point yeah. that it might have gone our way but there was just a few things there was a bit of a, there was an air of resignation the ref didn't need also. to make a controversial decision at that point in the game because it was so kind yeah. of I think the ref I don't think he lost control of the game but I think that his grip on it sort of went a little bit because you know, there, there, there was huge manu protests around the Pogba sending off, admittedly wrongly. Mm. Then the Koscielny incident where he brought Lukaku down, the United players oh, were on yeah, him yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think the ref, if he, there was a slight possibility that maybe if he was in two minds about sending Koscielny off or not, maybe that factored into his thinking. Right, yeah, so having sent Pogba off, having let Koscielny off, he wasn't in the mood to give us kind like of. another generous <laughs> decision? or yeah. I don't know. But I, I mean, it was an absolute clear penalty. I think... It might be Matt Spiro who said that on French television, the commentators were saying, you know, Welbeck's got to make more of that. Yeah, I think he should have. Really? I think he should have, yeah. I really do. I think you've got to put that doubt in a, in the in the referee's mind. You've well, got to... It's only been a week since Ramsey went down against Burnley, right? And uh, he, made he the makes most... a meal of it. Not a meal of it, but he goes down. He and... makes sure that the referee see, has exactly. seen the, 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 the push. And I think Welbeck should have stayed. Mm. He should have gone down. As soon as his legs were down, he should have gone down and like do that thing where you lie on your front and go... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, it couldn't have been a clearer foul, could he? Absolutely took his no, legs he just away. took his legs. It was so obvious, so obvious. But you know, uh, we're we're on ifs and buts territory here now. Um, yeah. And ultimately, you know, as Arsene Wenger said after the game, you can't afford to make those kind of mistakes and and hope to win a game against Manchester United. And I think that for me is the is the fundamental takeaway from this game. That regardless of how many shots we had, regardless of how many saves De Gea meant or made, rather. Uh, you know when you when you shoot yourselves in the foot like that it's so difficult to come back even yeah. against a mid-table premier league team it's going to be a challenge to come back from something like that yeah Arsene Wenger has a few buzzwords in every season and one of his big ones this year is efficiency mm. he's talked about it a lot as regarding this team and we were effectively inefficient weren't we at both ends of the pitch and uh, you know when you look at United, the the relatively limited chances that they had when they took it was absolutely brutal the way that they took those. Yeah, um, and yet for all our possession, just the one goal. I mean, it's it's is it the quality of the chances? You know, do you think that for all the shots we had, how many of them were like we should score that one? You know. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can count. There was the Urzel shot from the edge of the box, which was a, a half chance. Kalasinac long there, shot. I mean, the the Jacka one shot? should have been a goal off the back of the Lacazette yeah. thing hitting hit the, the bar. bar. That was the one that drove me the most mm. nuts. I think. You know, I guess Alexis following up on Lacazette's shot probably should be a, a goal. Yeah, I mean. I mean, if you're in XG territory, there were a lot of splodges yeah. in around. It was the six about five box. to two on XG, I yeah. believe. Yeah, but. 
I mean, look, yeah, we, uh, it's those mistakes that killed us. So, uh, so how, uh, Andrew, do you view the overall picture of the game? Because in some ways there was a lot to be encouraged about when you play that well against Manchester United. I take into account that they were sitting on a 2-0 lead. They didn't have to be ambitious. It was it was on us to go at them and, and create chances. But like we were saying, 33 shots, attempts on goal against Manchester United. You know, the, uh, Arsene Wenger says after, you know, if, if I'm a player, I'm going to be angry because if you play that well, you get nothing from the game, you should be angry. Uh, you know, how do we separate all those things? You know, are there positives to take from it? Yes, obviously we played very nicely. I mean, we we could have collapsed even more, right? We've mm. done that before in games. I think everybody going into the stadium on Saturday afternoon knew that playing up against a Manchester United side who are defensively disciplined, who are liable to park the bus occasionally, what do you not want to do? Mm. Seed early. Yeah. If you concede early and it's your own doing, then you're immediately an idiot as far as I'm concerned. And then we did it twice because, you know, Arsenal. Mm. And then does the game play out the way that it... I mean, would we have had 33 shots on goal if that game had been nil-nil at half-time? I mean, this, we're really into... Yeah, 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 yeah. Things. It, The game doesn't really go like that, I don't think, because I think Manchester United have a completely different attitude to the way that they attack us. And I mean, I'm, I'm glad we played well. I'm glad that some of the players against whom there have been question marks about delivering in big games like Ozil delivered you know he played really well Lacazette didn't look out of his depth at all looked great scored slightly frustrated with Alexis's performance overall Ramsey did well definite individual positives but it's just Arsenal and individual errors isn't it yeah it must I mean yeah I mean you know Arsene Wenger doesn't get too much sympathy from from the majority of the fan base but when you prepare for a game all week yeah. you, know, you can lay out whatever tactics you want whatever team sort you want and then you give away two goals in that fashion everything goes out the window it yeah. must be completely exasperating and I think you saw that from him after the game it's difficult isn't it to look for reasons why that happens I mean is it is it a concentration issue is it like it's it's. I know we've seen it before but it's so hard to pin down why on earth <laughs> that would happen <laughs> well yeah look some people will say uh the quality of a player you can measure his quality by his consistency or by the things that he does wrong and if you buy players who are prone to errors then that speaks to their quality ultimately that's a decision of the manager to bring them in or the coaching etc etc but you know we talked about Mustafi who was great uh, for the last two games and maybe that's what he is though maybe he's a, a guy who can do it for two games and in his third game He's gonna he's gonna drop a ricket like we've yeah. seen from central defenders in the past. I mean, Koscielny, I'd be much more inclined not to give a pass to, but to be understanding about his performance on the day because he has been a guy who has performed at a high level consistently for us. And I think there were mitigating cir- circumstances, um, you know, in, in terms of how much football he's been asked to play in the last few days. I think that. That's just one of those things, but I think Mustafi, for example, still has to convince that he's a guy who can who can play ten or twenty games without one of those terrible mistakes. That's it. I mean, it's it's a classic thing to say, but sometimes the best centre halves you don't really notice them because mm. you know, Koscielny in his early days was making mistakes. He was playing well, but making mistakes. But he yeah. kind of, for the most part, has ironed that out of his game. Someone like Nacho Morel is quite a good example where. You know he's incredibly consistent, and uh, with the exception of one miscued back pass against Everton, 
he you rarely see him make such a major fuck up yeah. as, as Mustafi did the other day yeah so look, uh, disappointing to drop three points. Manchester City now sixteen points ahead of us. Title challenge looks a little uh, <laughs> looks a little yeah. out the window. I don't think we'll be count, you know, contacting Islington <laughs> Council and booking the roads. Do, for I the, mean, do, uh, do, do we? May. Do we? I mean, it's seven points to Manchester United, which, which isn't huge. But do we now need to compartmentalise again? If we've already ruled out Manchester City from our season, if we're looking at it in the context of what we need to do, I'm basically ignoring City and only hoping that they lose a game between now and May. Yeah. Uh, United perhaps putting a bit of a stretch on. Uh, I mean, they could be catchable, but... Uh, well, we'd only have been one point behind if we'd won at the yeah, weekend. Yeah. You know, that's that's where the frustration is. It was your classic six-pointer and we've really lost some ground there because I think you know Manchester United for for all of the performance you know having been dominated by Arsenal they'll take real confidence from that victory at the yeah. Emirates you know that that's a real building block for a Mourinho side that's already had a year of development under him um, I think it's going to be really really tight I mean you look at the other teams I think Liverpool are prone to a bad run they're on a good one at the moment Spurs are obviously struggling a little bit with mm. um, Wembley uh, I think there are there are results amongst the the, the five teams who aren't Man City that are going to go either way yeah. regularly mm. um, so we have a chance of staying, getting into the top four you know what happens if we get in there and play Champions League football and go back to the old <laughs> the old way of doing things yeah. Um, yeah. we'll see well it is interesting that isn't it because kind of this season without Champions League football it's kind of our best run it's our best run at the Premier League do you know what I mean it's a mm. great chance for us to make and we've still lost what four yeah. or five games which is yeah. quite troubling really I it mean, is I mean this time last season we had just we were either just about to end or, or just ended a, a 19 game run where we hadn't lost mm. having lost on the opening day of the season we were able to marry mm. Champions League football and Premier League football and Carabao Cup or whatever it was called last season EFL Cup you know, we were able to combine all those things and go on a 19-game unbeaten run. And this, for me, is a little bit of a concern because the, the the first team, if you like, the Premier League team, has been able to rest. They've had a week between most of their games. This is the first time they've been asked to do it, you know, three times in a week. And, you know, we beat Spurs, we beat Burnley, we beat Huddersfield. And then we, you know... It's the losing the same games that annoys me. Yeah. Away at Stoke, away at Liverpool, away at Manchester City. You can plot them on a graph and be like, that one, that one, that one, that mm. one. And it it doesn't sort of tend to matter what time of year the games are. You know, it just always feels like we're watching the same thing play out. And it's this was particularly galling because, you know, we've been good at home. 15 games in a row at home. Yeah. You know, that's a great record, even mm. though... It, some of the games have been quite turgid and you go to the matches and you don't necessarily feel like you're watching a team that are playing with loads of confidence at home but that was a record we were holding on to how does that affect us now you know do we do we now have a kind of a, a stigma attached to that so we've got a lot of things to overcome in the next few weeks if we're going to get back on track and then we've got you know Liverpool and Chelsea and mm. two very very big games huge games either side of Christmas I mean Liverpool Andrew touched on it there but you know going forward they look terrific um, fortunately at the back a little bit vulnerable mm. and Mignolet is certainly no David De Gea so yeah it does I mean as I think I said in the blog today I think we really need to put that record right in the big games and Chelsea and, and Liverpool at home is an opportunity for us to do that I mean the team is capable we saw it against Spurs uh, that you know in these big games they, they can do it but the overall record this season in those games is, is really poor but look we're going to take a break here we've uh 
See, I don't, I'm not looking at the thing here because it's behind me rather than in front of me as usual. So that's the thing. So we're going to take a short little break. We'll come back with questions and more in part two right after this. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra, recording in Dublin this afternoon with uh, James and Andrew Allen. And this is the part of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog, at A. Allen Sport, and at Arsblog, and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. I'm going to go first here, guys. Uh, at West Antone asks this. Alexis Sanchez, undoubtedly a talented player, but can we afford to keep selecting someone who turned the ball over 34 times, including for their second goal against Manchester United? I mean, that's nearly as impressive as the David De Gea stat, isn't it? <laughs> it's crazy. 34 times. 17 in each half, apparently. Wow. It's consistent. <laughs> yeah. Symmetry. Yeah. I like it. I mean, it's frightening, really, isn't it? I'm, I can't remember which of the... I'm sure someone coined the term the Alexis tax. You know, this idea mm. that for every good thing he does, you, you still have that bad side of his game. Mm. But, I mean, given that we're a team that's very prone to getting caught on the break, when you've got a player who gives the ball away that often, it's, mm. it's not great, is it? Do you, I mean, do you think there's any... Is he trying too hard or is he not focused enough? I mean, you, you can't ignore uh, his part in the goal, for example. The the pass to Aaron Ramsey was absolutely uh, perfect. Like you say in the first part, James, we've seen that ball lots of times in the past. It's a very effective ball. He is creative. He did get lots of assists last season. But given the speculation over his contract situation, I guess people will err on the side of negative now when it comes to Alexis. Yeah, that's definitely a factor, isn't it? I think the fact that he is on his way out of the club I think is influencing people's interpretation of him I mean he's not hitting the heights that he did last season mm. um, but he's still got five goals I think this season which is probably the, I think the second highest at the club mm. joined with Olivier Giroud um, I, I, it's a fascinating one with Alexis because watching the game you're thinking about who the changes that can be made who's going to be brought off and on performance any other player I think probably would have been substituted against United like he wasn't really contributing to contributing to the flow of the game but he gets left on because he can produce these moments and yeah. as awful as he was at times there's still every chance that in the 90th, 90th minute he's going to bang one in from 30 yards and Arsene Wenger knows that so 
it's a really difficult one. I don't, I don't really see him as droppable. I just think he's too productive. I think a, a player that gifted... Potentially that productive. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. I think that is what it is. And I think that, as Andrew says, there is kind of a tax on him. You know, you do kind of have to accept the rough with the smooth, but... I am still prepared to uh, to make that sacrifice for the good that he does uh, do. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think the other thing is he's he gives the opposition something to think about, right? You know, he's the type of player who's unpredictable. You don't know what he's going to do. He's got so much energy. Lose so the ball, even if it he, seems. yeah, <laughs> even if he gives the ball away, you still know that he's probably going to be chasing after it at some point. I, I mean. It would be very unusual for us to drop a player who, over the last couple of our seasons, has been what top scorer by yeah. a long way. So I mean, it's just one of those things. I think hopefully he plays himself into some better form. Yeah, it's just such a difficult one because he is the kind of player who can bang one in from thirty yards mm. or who can create something. Um, but I think in some ways as well, when you look at how 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 we have issues in midfield and how we have issues with dealing with counterattacks, that that is that's got to be a consideration at, at some point as well. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw him take a lot of criticism for his part in the third goal. He kind of tried to. It was a little flick, yeah, a little yeah. flick. And yeah. It didn't come off. Now, okay, I accept he gave the ball away there, but he was what seventy yards from his show sure. you know and I think if there's an area of the pitch you're going to be trying that sort of thing and it's there a lot there was you know a lot to come from that point um, I, I, I'd still be picking him I, I suppose what, what the debate is really is do you think we would be a more efficient team with a player who is maybe less explosive but more consistent yeah but do we have that player I mean we I mean how do you replace him with the players that we've got in this side You've got yeah. Danny Welbeck, who is you know a great runner, a great athlete, but does not produce anywhere near as much as Alexis. You've got Iwobi, again, you know a player of some potential, but who's not going to get you that end product. Then where are you? Theo mm. Walcott, Jack Wilshire. I just don't see mm. how we could, uh, at this moment in time, make up the shortfall for what he can give us from an attacking point of view, as, as frustrating as he is. I mean, I think going into the second half of the season, if he doesn't go in January, the onus is on the club to start finding that solution internally ahead of the transfer window. Mm. Um, I'll be curious to see if he gets treated as a, a normal member of the squad if you know that he's absolutely leaving in the summer. Um, he could be signed somewhere from January. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting one. Wenger's got some, some choices to make on that on that front, for sure. Yeah. Any possibility of... January Alexit. <laughs> uh, I've never really seen it. Um, I just think if you were going to do that deal, the summer was the time. Yeah. I, I, I just think it's it's almost not worth it, really, for the money that I mm. think you would bring in at this mm. point. But and I also think it doesn't suit the interest of the player. Like, he, why would he go? Yeah, for or Man City right now. If it was Man City, who were the interested party? I mean, they don't need him oh, right now. Wouldn't it be no, like? But wouldn't it be amazing if he went to Man City in January and became their Faustino Aspria? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, like when yeah. Newcastle were twelve points ahead, they were like steaming along. They signed Aspria, who was fucking brilliant, really entertaining player, but just destabilized. Just them. destabilized everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thirty-four times a game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I. I I don't know. I, I don't think City will go for it. They they don't need him now. No. Why would you push? Yeah. Why yeah. would you push? I mean, in some ways, you know, I think in the summer you could see maybe why they thought, okay, let's bring this guy in. But subsequently, the way the likes of Sane and particularly Sterling have stepped up, mm. 
why interrupt them they're yeah, doing a, they're doing a great job um, but yeah I'd keep I'd keep picking him for now alright um, well on the subject of the transfer window we've got this question from Shahin Mahdi on Twitter and Shahin says do you believe Arsenal will look at buying a centre back in the January transfer window with a view to Koscielny and his Achilles problems or do we plan on getting one in the summer what do you think guys do you think maybe we might look at that in January I don't think so mm. um Given that Mertesacker is going into the last few months of his career at the club, he's still obviously given Chambers a new deal. I'm waiting to see whether there's anything's going to come of that, like mm. actual playing time. <laughs> um, I can't, I can't see it. I think we've got quite a lot, and the fact that we were willing to sell Mustafi probably in addition to Gabriel, maybe or one of those other players. I think if I they brought like, one in, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I just, I don't know who's out there in the market now that you look at and think there's a centre back I want maybe Van Dijk is the only one um, yeah. that, that you could see that's on the market at the moment who could come in and conceivably make a difference to the way that we might set up our team because mm. I think what we have at the moment is a collection of defenders who work or you can see how they work reasonably well in, in a back three mm. what it's hard to do is look at the, the defenders we have and say right what is our best two who's our best central defensive pairing when you think back down the years, we've always, nearly always been able to identify that. Mertesacker and Koscielny for a long time. Mm. You know, we did have some issues, of course, where there were central defensive pairings that weren't working at all. Um, but I think it's hard to look at what we've got now. I, I think we really should be looking at the, the transfer market when it comes to central defenders, if not in January for the summer. I think it's something we've we've really got to pay some close attention to. But like you, I can't necessarily see anything happening in January. Do you not... I mean, the, the counter-argument would be, you know, you've got a guy who last season was absolutely outstanding and Rob Holding who came into the team. Do you not think that he is potentially ready to get a bit more game time than he's currently getting? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, yeah, again, the manager f seems to be reluctant to give him too much yeah. uh, playing time. And maybe he is trying to manage him perhaps a little bit differently or a little bit better than he has some of the other young centre-halves who've come in and we've all thought, wow, there's a player. And then over time, due to being exposed or perhaps playing too much, they've struggled to to reach that potential. So maybe that's what's going on with Holding. Yeah, it's an interesting one because you, you look at the games he has played and he was very nervous on the first day of the season, got dropped. Um, he hasn't exactly... You wouldn't go, he's been a standout player in the Carabao Cup games or in the Europa League. I feel like there's just that sort of classic second season nervousness yeah, which is sort, sort of, of plateaued in. a little yeah and you know Wenger's said many times you know he knows if he plays a young central defender that it will cost him points and right now after five defeats before you know mid-December we can't really afford to drop any more points and yeah I know, suppose it's, the it's a tough one the centre-backs we have we're a little bit polarised in terms of age because you've got Mertesacker Koscielny Monreal sort of in the latter period of their career really yeah then at the other end of the spectrum you've got your holding in your chambers even if they're not that young anymore they're, in terms of experience you know mm. they haven't got too much Mustafi's kind of the only guy who's kind of in that middle bracket you know where he's kind of in his prime years so I do think that addressing that and bringing in someone you know 24 to 27 who's ready to play week in week out would be good if you were playing a four who would be your centre-back pairing? It's, it is tricky, actually. I was thinking that because when we went to the four, obviously we went against United, it was Monreal and Koscielny. Yeah. But while Monreal is absolutely brilliantly suited to playing on the left of that three, you know, we haven't... 
we haven't, apart from that emergency spell a couple of years ago, I think it was 2015, we haven't seen too much of him as a centre-back in a four. And I think it is a different task. Like, so What's so good about him in the three is the way he pushes so high up the pitch at times to win the ball early. You can't afford to do that as much in a four. So I probably would go with Koscielny and Morel, but it is an unknown quantity. Yeah, I mean, I'd be leaning that way as well. And it's a strange one because he's the one who isn't a centre-back really by yeah. trade. Um, he is great in a three, though. Uh, yeah, I think when you, as you get a little bit older as a player, it, it becomes easier to adapt to a new position. I think Monreal has done that brilliantly in a back three. I think even uh, in the back four we played the other night, he was really good. He was still snapping into tackles and still winning the ball high mm. up the pitch. I think what you want, ideally, in a central defensive pairing is is some balance and I think that for many years is why Mertesacker and Koscielny worked really well Koscielny was the aggressive one Mertesacker read the game and uh, and picked that up so you know I don't think we have an ideal central defensive pairing right at this moment in time I think there's too much um, Mustafi and Koscielny are a bit too similar for me and I think if you are looking at it maybe Holding is the one guy who could come in perhaps alongside Koscielny but I think there's something to be said for Koscielny and, and Monreal as well because I think Monreal has adapted really well to, to a central uh, a central role Yeah, and on the subject of the transfer window like we're only a few weeks away from it now I think it is a really interesting time. I think that everyone's talking about Ozil and Alexis and will they stay, will they be sold? But I don't really think that's the issue. I think that Arsenal have a real question in terms of recruitment because while the squad may look substantial enough at this point, so many of these players have their future in some doubt. And you know, come the summer, we're going to lose several. And I, I just have a fear that we might leave ourselves with too much work to do which is a bad habit that we have you mm. know looking to do too much in one window and with Mislintak coming in and, and the guy from Barcelona due in February I just wonder will there be a little bit of a push to get a head start on the summer in January I hope so I mean I think the the, the timing of those announcements is interesting right they mm. seem pretty eager to get them in ASAP mm. before we get to January so mm. maybe there is something to be read into I don't that. think uh, Raul is uh, is not arriving until Feb, February that yeah. was the original oh, okay. announcement but it doesn't mean that um, we can't get things done I mean I think when you look at the squad and the way this season has gone if we were playing Champions League football like we would have some seriously fringe players in this squad mm. right now when you think about El Neni for mm. example Jack Wilshire, uh, Giroud Theo Walcott, Theo Walcott uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot. Got Matthew Debushi, yeah. Uh, yeah. even Callum Chambers. Yeah, you know, say. so there's a lot of players who you could see could be replaced and perhaps should be replaced. And you wonder as well, while it's been handy to have these two separate teams, it it, it feels like there's a very strong uh, delineation between the two of them, right? that there Absolutely. is it's not as competitive as we would have liked it to be where you wanted to see for example uh, guys like Iwobi guys like Wilshire, even uh, guys in midfield like uh, Elneny and Coquelin uh, as much as they are fringe players just maybe give the manager something to think about in terms of his first team and that hasn't happened it's now there's a very definite starting 11 12 13 and then there's the rest and that second string team is going to get less and less opportunity to play. Bear in mind the Carabao Cup ends in February. The Europa League is going to become more competitive. We don't know what Arsene Wenger is going to do, but the yeah. suspicion is he might introduce more first-team players into that side. So 
I think actually if you are letting Alexis go for free if you are letting Ozil go for free if there is an opportunity to recoup some cash for an El Nenny for a Walcott I think you're almost obligated to take it mm. in January if you mm. can I mean the way the, the wage system and the rules are set up as well I mean we're we desperately were trying to offload people in the summer to try and yeah. Yeah. you know free up enough budget to actually stick within the rules and pay players that we wanted to keep the money they want mm. um, you know it seems rather ironic that Arsenal of all of the teams kind of ended up getting more hamstrung by the FFP kind of <laughs> regulations <laughs> than anybody else yeah. and um, yeah I mean I think that kind of jockeying in the background on the financial side of things is is probably played more of a part in our transfer mm. business than we might give credit for alright who's got, have you got a question Andrew uh, it's kind of following on from that two seconds uh, Twitter is just beautifully closed for me at the exact time you didn't want it to it's not as easy um, as it looks this Andrew no it? no you guys are <laughs> <laughs> to be this smooth and yeah seamless. this well, well-oiled podcasting <laughs> machine here we go people right. think it's just easy to sit here so behind actually, a mic it's, it's kind of on something similar uh, it's from at Ben AFC 27 and he says with all the talk about Ozil and Sanchez how important is it that Ramsey gets tied down to a new deal very massive hugely very. important yeah I think he's really stepped it up this season I think he's become a hugely important part of, of the team uh, you know whatever people think about him uh, and I know he's someone who still divides opinion I understand it to a certain extent you know the idea that whatever about not being able to hold on to Ozil and Sanchez you know given their profiles but if he couldn't hold on to Aaron Ramsey mm. you know and that's why I really think I really think as much as possible we need to try and hold on to at least one of Ozil and Sanchez as unlikely as it is we need to show that we can hang on to our best talents we need to be able to show and demonstrate to the players in this squad that we want to keep and Ramsey has got to be one of those that whatever ambitions he has for the rest of his career or certainly the next few years of his career can be achieved at Arsenal that there is there is a way of doing that I mean I think you know for the most part we I obviously can't speak for everybody. I just get the general sense as a resignation that both Ozil and Sanchez are going to go. I think that is the perception, yeah. I think if we keep one of them, then you've got a, a, a platform to then build on because you can recruit in the summer, you can bring in somebody big, and I think we need to do that as well. We need to go back and demonstrate that we're serious about the kind of players that we bring in. But if you can hang on to one of those, then... Uh, then I think you've got a chance to, to hang on to the best players that we have. I mean, is there an argument that we can't, maybe we can't pay them both what they want? <laughs> but yeah. if, if I, I absolutely believe that to be true. Right. I think given what they're asking for, mm. the rise in our wage bill would be so much that we'd have to get rid of half the squad to be able to accommodate them. I, right. I think that's playing a part in it. Let me ask you this. You've got a choice abs right now. You can choose one or the other to be with us next season and to sign a new deal, a new long-term deal with the club. Who do you choose? It's, it's an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, how quickly things change because my instinct is to say Meza Ozil right now. Mm. But I think that's based really on, on, on form, you know, in the past few games. Because I, I think in the summer I would have said Alexis every time, especially after his contribution last season, forty-five goals, wasn't it? You know, directly contributed to. So, I think Özil's creativity might be harder to replace than maybe Sanchez's goals. I mm. think you you kind of you can find goals 
somehow. But well, I, we, I just, arguably we might, we have goals in Lacazette. Yeah, I mean, I I think the team could be slightly reshuffled, and you could potentially play without Alexis, and we'd still score the same number of goals. It just might be different players get them. Um, I just really like watching Özil. I really like him. I, you know, he's a player I'd pay money to watch, and I do. But I mean. I'd like to continue paying money to watch him. Yeah, um, I've liked watching him a lot in the last few weeks. I mean, I don't know what's lit a fire under Mesut Ozil, but there is a difference in the way that he's playing. And Arsene talked about it. Yeah, he, he said he's doing things he wasn't doing before. I mean, it begs the question: Why wasn't he? Or you know, what's mm. changed? I mean, maybe he's looking at that Germany squad. I know he's you know entrenched in it, and he's a very much a favourite player of of uh, Yogi Lowe, but. Mm. You know, there's a World Cup year. He doesn't want to rest on his laurels going into a World mm. Cup. Yeah. Um, well, maybe he's looking for, you know... Maybe he's uh, looking for a move. Maybe yeah. for a move. I mean, genuinely, <laughs> I don't know. But it, it, whether he stays or whether he goes, he's in a negotiating position. And we've seen in the past how that can bring unexpected levels out of players. Just think of Theo Walcott. Yeah. I don't know. Who would you choose? Ozil. Really? Yeah. I what, think so. I ground? just feel like he will last longer. Well, I have that slight sense with Alexis. I have... I'm, I might be wrong, but he's feel just like such he, a, he's such a, an explosive player. He's yeah. so physical. He gives so much in every game. I just feel like you could you could build more easily around Mesodozo than you could Alexis Sanchez. I think if you if you keep Sanchez, you say right, we've got this player who, who's unpredictable. He's brilliant. He can do amazing things. But we have to factor in the the. What did you call it? The, the the Alexis tax, yeah, where he can be wasteful, and how that could have an impact on our game. And I think for me that that Ozil and Ramsey are showing signs of a really nice understanding. I think with Lacazette in the team as well, Ozil has the kind of striker that he has been looking for or has needed for since he joined, really. Yeah. And I just you know given given the way that he plays. He's not quite as physical as Alexis. And I think there's, you know, you look at what Bergkamp, for example, did in the final years of his career, where he didn't necessarily have the same pace. He didn't necessarily have the same physicality, but he still had the vision. He still had the creativity. And I don't think that is what will uh, escape Ozil. Whereas Sanchez, I I just look at him sometimes and feel like he's going to hit a wall. At some point, Mm -hmm. he's just going to hit a wall and that's going to be that. Yeah, I mean, some I mean, some people are saying that maybe he's arriving at that point at the moment. That there's a bit of burnout influencing. Yeah, maybe his a little premature, but you know, you can, yeah, uh, yeah. And coming back to Ramsey, I think, I think he's been. You know, it's interesting in in a quite still dysfunctional midfield. He is managing to shine individually, and there's there's a composure about him, and uh, his passing has been great. You know, that's something that was has been quite erratic from him in recent years, but he's got plenty of assists already this season there's just I don't know he's 27 I think in December and maybe it's just a bit of maturity coming into his game as well I think it's really essential and fitness fitness is vital too. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I mean he you know could do his hamstring next week and we'd all be head and hands yeah sure standard standard Ramsey but no fingers crossed I mean I I think he's he just brings something different that run but that burst mm. from deep past defenders I mean the goal the other day was a great example of it we don't really have anybody else from midfield who's doing that at the moment so. yeah yeah okay um, let me see oh, where's my question gone okay well I mean um, we just spoke about him uh, Jack Bernard who's at Jack J Bernard 
on Twitter wants to know how would you rate Alexander Lacazette's season so far and how many goals do you expect him to end up with Oh, not as many as he'd have if he was playing those last 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> all those tap-ins against tired legs yeah exactly um, I think he's been I mean look we spent a lot of money on him so I think it's fair to have decent expectations but I think he I think he's lived up to what we hoped for um, I think he's been I think he's he's a much more intelligent player. Do you know what I, th- I would say about him? He's not as quick as I thought he was going to be. I agree, I agree. I thought it was going to be much more pacey, but I think what what like what like you were just about to say, yeah. I think what he lacks in pace, he has much more game intelligence for me than I, that I had previously thought. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. He, um, he takes up positions which are, are brilliant. I just feel like our players in the first few weeks are still learning the types of positions he takes up. Yeah. The other thing I'd say is he's the most natural finisher we've had since Eduardo. He is mm. well. Eduardo um, is the of all the players we've had. I, you know, I was about to say I was kind of expecting an Anelka, and I think we've got more of an Eduardo. You know, yeah. I think he's about movement and that composure. In the previous game, I mean, the United game is a good example, but even the one before, when he goes through on goal, right foot, left foot, whatever yeah. angle in the box, I have no concerns mm. at all. And you know, I haven't felt like that for quite some time about an Arsenal striker. Yeah, no, I I mean, I didn't really know what to expect from him. I mean, people were making Ian Wright comparisons before the start of the season. I said he didn't look like someone who necessarily had the same guile as an Ian Wright. Mm. But he's clinical, right? I mean, he he really does put the ball in the back of the net. And it doesn't feel like he's had a spectacular start to life at Arsenal. But what's he on now? Seven 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 goals. goals. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, I'd like to see a few more away from home, maybe. Um, But that's... You know the goals haven't flowed there because the team hasn't played well. Yeah, I think that's a factor. But also, our first choice striker in previous seasons was probably playing forty-five games if they were stayed fit. Olivier Giroud's sometimes done that for us, and that gives you plenty of opportunity to to rack up those goals, especially in like a Champions League group game or what have you. Mm. Lacazette's playing time is actually relatively limited. He's only playing the Premier League games and he's not playing the ninety minutes. So I don't think he's going to end up with a massive tally. I think. You know, he might get to 20, but I don't think he's going to push much beyond that. Yeah, I mean, if he were, you know, for example, if he had five or six Champions League games under his belt against a couple of teams that mm. you would expect him to score in, you know, he would probably have a, a, a higher goal tally. I think, he, again, he's, he's someone who's being managed by Arsene Wenger. You know, he's being not eased into action, but he's certainly taking uh, care not to overplay him. And I think the other night when he went off against Huddersfield, my first thought was, right, okay, maybe there is good reason why he keeps getting hauled off after 60 minutes, 70 minutes, that he perhaps is on, you know, on the brink of an injury or he's carrying a niggle that they don't want to aggravate. Um, so look, I think he's been I think he's been better than I thought he was going to be. Mm. I think he's a really smart player, and I think he is the kind of player around whom we need to start planning what we're going to do. Uh, you know, either in January or next summer, because we need players. We've got Ozil, we've got Ramsey, who who works well with him. We need other players around him who can who can you know maximize his uh, his strengths. 
Yeah. Mm. Well, I suppose that that feeds in, doesn't it, to the whole debate about who would you choose, Alexis and mm. Ozil? Maybe you look at well, what have we got in place for the next yep. few years, yep. Lacazette, and what what does he require? Yeah. And as yeah, and I think of, I think Lacazette needs an uh, Ozil more than he needs an Alexis. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe that's why there's all this talk about uh, Nabil Fekir, you know, as mm. well, because they've got this understanding from Leon. Uh, but yeah, I think he's been great. I think he's technically excellent as well. You know, I think he's not the most physically powerful, but he's able to retain the ball in tight spaces, which is a credit to his ability. Um, yeah, I, I, I love watching him play. He's been mm. a good signing. All right. Your question, James. My question. Uh, let's have a look. This is from... Fred Thurbin on Twitter, who's at RLF86. Fred says, do keepers have blinders against us or do we overplay, thus reducing our angle to take the shot and thereby giving the keeper more chance to save it? Right, he said keepers told him early shots are hardest to save. Are we guilty of overplaying and thus making it easier for the keepers? That is a good question. I mean, there there is that perception of Arsenal isn't there where we perhaps take the odd touch we walk the ball into the net you mean yeah, that one um, I'm trying to think if, if we were guilty of that against Manchester United and the only person I can think of was Lacazette a couple of times he takes time doesn't he he's looking yeah, for the angle yeah um, but in general I mean I don't think you could accuse us of that yeah uh, um, yeah, I mean, there's, do we shoot enough people ask that question? Do we take enough shots? I mean, we saw against United, we took plenty of shots. Yeah. Um, you know, when you, when you play, when you think of the keepers down the years who have had the blinders against us, so here are the ones that stick out for me is uh, Fraser Forster for... for um, Southampton. Uh, Southampton. Jack yeah. Butland, I think, yeah. uh, for Stoke. Uh, I remember one game probably in the Invincible season maybe around that time where we played Fulham at Highbury Van der Sar Van der Sar yeah, had no, no. just yeah. the most amazing game mm. they tend to be against teams who allow you a lot yeah. of shots or against whom you can create a lot of a lot of shots and I think uh, I mean you've named three good goalkeepers yeah. as well let's be, yeah. let's be clear about that that's true as well isn't it Pickford had true. a great game against Pickford his last year as well yeah. Yeah. his distribution was all off but his saving was amazing yeah 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 so um, look yeah I don't know maybe it's down to uh, we come back to that word efficiency of finishing yeah I mean look, we're not a club that scores a lot of goals from outside the box you know we don't traditionally haven't been for a long time for a no. long time and I think Wenger probably urges the players to get closer before they shoot because your chances of scoring yeah. are higher if you are you well, know, that was kind of the, the one of the archetypal things about the Invincibles was, you know, if a player went through on goal, but there was a guy next to him, he gave it to him. You know, mm. it was always like, look for the, the, the best possible opportunity yeah. to score, which I know has a certain logic to it. But um, yeah, I don't know. We've just spoken about what a clinical finisher Lacazette is. So it kind of seems odd to now be questioning the quality of our finishing yeah, maybe though when you you know you think about those games that a goalkeeper has against you, it's not like they happen every week either. It happens once a season, twice a season yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um so, you know, it's not it's not happening all the time, but I mean, they they stick in the mind when they do happen. We do have some players that I do not feel confident sure when I watch them, you know, in the final third. Mm. I think like someone like Iwobi is not a great finisher. He sort of loses mm. his head a little bit. 
I think Ramsey is prone to periods like that, but by and large is is yeah. not bad. You'd have to say um, Ozil as well. I mean, I yeah. know he was a great finish from him the other day, but he's not a natural goal scorer. No, mm. it's there's a you know, and then you can further back the pitch, you know, people like Cockerland when you saw him against Cologne. I mean, he actually had a couple of chances in that game, yeah. but he's, <laughs> he's never scored for us. And the, you know, the defense Kalasnac looks like he's got a goal in him. Yeah, but I don't. But even even Ozil, for example, at times he looks. You know, you look at the finish against Huddersfield, an amazing, amazing finish, amazing technique. But there are times where you feel like he just needs to put his foot through the ball a bit more. What, was the, what was the game recently where, oh, it was against City, wasn't it? The casual one yeah. where we were, mm. was it City? Was it City? I can't remember. It, it was definitely one where he got massively hammered for the fact that he was very casual about trying to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I can't and, remember um, the one, but it was from just inside the box or just yeah. on the edge of the box where he yeah. was clean through and he really should have scored. Mm. Um Anyway. So, yeah, there you go. You got one, Andrew? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, so, this one is from Stebby79. Pretty sure we have learned every lesson available by now. So, unbeaten <laughs> for the rest of the season, question mark. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I can't see it. Well, we've learned all the lessons, though, haven't we? We've learned all of the lessons, yeah. um, made all of the mistakes. Are we even getting a we have to learn from this anymore? No, I think I think the Arsenal.com team have learned that lesson, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> putting that story out time after time. <laughs> uh, just a couple of quick ones then. Um, Gary, who's at Gag5R, asks... Rumours of Walcott leaving. On a scale of 1 to 10, how willing are you to drive him there yourself? 11? 15? <laughs> um, but yeah, some, some stories that uh, he, he might be on the radar of some other Premier League clubs. I mean, given what he's earning at Arsenal, you know, for, yeah. for clubs to be very interested in a guy who's not playing football seemingly doesn't seem to mind too much that he's not playing football. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I happily see him go now I mean I think Theo's never going to be the player we wanted him to be and we're paying him a lot of money yeah uh, yeah I think yeah, I think if you if you can get rid you you do but I'm not sure how keen to move he'll be I think he's pretty comfortable yeah I mean it's, oh, but I mean that's I mean does he want to play does he want to play football because he's not going <laughs> to he's not going to play Premier League football with, I, I, with this team at, the, at this moment in time no I mean he seems to have completely sacked off the idea of getting back into the England squad as yeah. well Never been to a World Cup. This is his last chance. And yet, not playing a minute in the Premier League. I mean, on the one hand, people will say, well, he's, you know, fair play. He's being professional. He's not kicking up. He's not creating a fuss. Sure. So, you know, you can work that both ways. But, I, you know, I, I think we said it recently that um, for him and for Arsenal, I think it would, be, it would be the right thing for both parties to go our separate ways at this moment right now. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean... I, I, I'm trying to picture him at another club where he can turn his career around. Everton. Everton. I would have said Everton because they've got some money as well, but I just... But I they, or, they already Sam bought one of those in Aaron Lennon, didn't they? Like He's the same type of player who kind to of... To be fair, he's exactly what Everton need. Into, like They bought a lot of slow players this summer. They bought, yeah. you know, Rooney, Sigurdsson, mm. a bunch of people who don't do much running. Running is the one thing Theo Walcott will do for you. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Yeah. So it's a possibility. Um, yeah, well, we'll see. Farhad Mashiri's been near enough our club to probably know not to bother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually meant to do this earlier, but you know last yeah. week we were talking about the old tradition with the the shirt sleeves? Yeah. 
And I don't know if you saw as well, there was a picture circulated from the dressing room at the weekend. That's right, I think it was uh, Stuart McFarlane took the picture. And it was Lacazette, he had the short, yeah. short sleeves as opposed to everyone with the, the long sleeves. Well, um, Richard Daniels, who's an old mate of mine, got in touch and he said um, that he was an Emirates tour guide for some time. Uh, basically, there are loads of traditions which are great, like the flowers in the colours of the away team in the director's lounge. But about the, the shirts particularly, he said the captain chooses the shirt sleeve length for every game. Um, or This was the rule, at least. All 11 players have to follow this. And this used to actually be written into player contracts, apparently. Right. He says he doesn't know if this is still the case, but it was at some stage, and this was part of his training when he was an Emirates tour guide. If undershirts are worn, they have to be totally hidden. So no long sleeve undershirt, short sleeve shirt, a la Rooney. Now, last season, Richard says he saw Czech stand out from this, but this season, the outfield players seem to be doing it too. It's been a fair few players in a few games, and frankly, it makes me a little sad. I've no idea why it's been allowed to lapse. Wenger and Mertesacker all strike me as guys who appreciate the importance of the history of the club in this regard mm. so there you go it does seem to be fading away well you know I, I I had some emails at the start of the season about this and uh, I sent a, a DM to Mark Ganella who is the uh, club mm. communications director and I have it here in front of me I said hi Mark we've had a few emails about the captain decides tradition regarding the shirt leave or shirt sleeve length all of them are upset that this tradition has apparently been done away with. Is it still in place? And the uh, the concise uh, reply from Mark was, the tradition is still in place. But clearly it's not. No. I, well, I wonder whether it's something to do with the garments themselves, right? I mean, if there's some kind of physical benefit to having a long sleeve muscle I don't know I don't know what these tops do but they kind of claim to be restricting the body in certain ways for certain reasons whether there's something around that that fingers are willing to turn a blind eye or the captains are if a particular player says I want to wear something like this mm. I've no idea I mean is it a shame I think it kind of is. You no, know, I know I it's. Think it I know is. it's not. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not the most important thing. Uh, but there are certain little things that we've done down the years yeah, that I exactly. think kind of set us apart. It's and, the small and that's things that make you know the you know the club as big as it is. And I kind of I'd be sad if it was something that just sort of fell by the wayside just because someone stopped chasing. I think people. it's well, what's interesting to me about it is that Per Mertesacker is a man who is very much in tune with with the club with the mm -hmm. fans with its traditions you know we know that he's in charge when players are late for training and he finds them and he, he, he manages all that kind of thing so um, maybe we should do a little bit of digging see what we can find out on this one yeah yeah it would be a shame to see that just eroded yeah, we'll have to get Vic Akers on <laughs> <laughs> uh, right I've got one more because we are heading to uh, very much the end stoppage time stoppage time okay this one comes from one of us is real. I don't know which one, but one of us. And he is at LabMonkey181. So either one of... <laughs> one, one of the of him, lab monkeys is real? or one, Yeah, him and the other 180 lab monkeys. <laughs> one of them is real. Uh, it's, uh, it's festive. Okay. It's uh, Secret Santa at Arsenal. You draw Stan Kroenke. What would you buy him? Oh, I don't know. Another wig? I... <laughs> 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 a wig I don't know uh, Stan Kroenke what would I buy him what do you buy the man who has everything <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the Premier I'd, League I'd give him Usmanov shares he'd be a happy bunny <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'd buy him a season ticket at Spurs <laughs> I'd buy him a season ticket at Arsenal it'd be nice to see him <laughs> well he's got one apparently one of the last times he came to a game he left at half time because he was too cold 
And they get blankets and the, and up they there get as well. Blankets and heated seats in the director's yeah. box. All the whiskey you can drink, keep you warm. I don't know whether I feel festive enough to get Stan Kroenke a secret Santa gift. No, I think he owes us a gift. Yeah. It's quite quite the inverse. Yeah, mm. exactly. I mean, there shouldn't be a £5 budget. He should be spending some cash on some players for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I remember getting a, doing that uh, one time. I can't remember. Oh, I do remember why. When I was teaching in Spain, mm. uh, there was this guy and he had like... Uh, he had a, a sort of a chin beard that was really, really precise. Right. Really precise. So we we did the Secret Santa thing in the in the school in Spain where I was teaching English. So I got him like a ruler and protractor set, and I replaced the little bit of cardboard at the top that said, you know, ruler and protractor set. And I sort of drew a little picture of him being able to use it to like absolutely Great. make his beard completely precision. He didn't like it. Really? No. He didn't like Did it Did he at know all. who the gift was from, or was it completely anonymous? Um, I think I, I think he knew it was me, all right. Yeah. Because <laughs> you were sniggering in the corner. Possibly. <laughs> we, we, we didn't necessarily get on. You didn't see eye to eye. No, we didn't get on anyway. He, was, he had very strange, strange thoughts and ideas about certain things, which I didn't Beyond really... Beyond grooming. Beyond grooming. Um, I, I'll tell you... No, I can't even go into this story. <laughs> it's, uh, I'll, uh, we're going to have lunch soon. We're going to really have lunch. forward to hearing that story. Uh, I'll tell you that one. But it was just like, the minute he told that story, it was like, no. <laughs> we're, we're not going to be friends. Did, did he think that this very, very precise facial hair was something that other people assumed had just occurred naturally? Or? I don't know. Maybe he was upset that I was casting aspersions on his, his precision as it was. I mean, Andrew, do you use any rulers or protractors in there's, your there's immaculate no rule, facial this hair? Is, uh, this is just, this is all very natural. Oh, natural. Yeah. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's absurd. It in is the just, flesh, guys, I have to tell you. <laughs> it is. You know, it's I, extraordinary. Oh, you're behold. making me blush now. No, not at all. I mean, but you know, I can grow a beard, but there comes a point where it stops being a beard and it just starts, you know, going off in all... Bush, yeah, yeah, bush. It's terrible. It's terrible. I, I do, do you have to, like, do you Cut it with a scissors, or does it just Occasion naturally stay that length? So, okay, so, okay, here we go. Right. Okay. Here Occasionally, we go. Wow. I, this okay. is podcast gold. The secret's <laughs> out. Occasionally, there will be scissors involved. Right. There is also a very cheap. I believe the the make is a wall wall. Beard oh, yeah, trimmer, yeah, yeah, yeah. which right. occasionally comes out, and usually I tackle this on a on a weekend because can't mm. be asked to do it before work. And if I'm very hungover, I cock it up. The whole thing comes off, and we start afresh. Start again. Yeah, really? it's a it's a it's a Russian roulette on the I beard. I've never seen you. I've never seen it. you without your beard. Oh, I, I don't like. You don't it. leave the house. Women have broken up with me for less. <laughs> <laughs> what about are you using any sort of wax or anything like that? The occasional. Actually, you sent me some 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 beard grooming products a few. Oh, years I did. Ago. Yeah, because they they came on. They did something. Percy Nobleman, oh, yeah. I believe it was. Percy Nobleman. If you're listening, Percy, it was lovely, and I would love some more. <laughs> yes, come on, Percy. Nobleman, sort out. Mainly engines. jam you get on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll go off now and we'll buy a, a jar of strawberry and uh, you know we'll just <laughs> massage that into Andrew's beard for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the day. Right. Well, listen, uh, gents. Thank you very much. Um, thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back with an Arscast on Friday. When do we play? Borisov Thursday at 8 Thursday at 8 we get Borisov yeah oh that's a weird one for podcasting so who knows what's going to happen with the podcast on Friday but there will be one at some point Uh, thanks for listening we'll catch you on the next one bye bye bye
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.